there's got to be a level of insanity in you just to be able to be like, no way is this failing. Because as soon as you doubt yourself for that one minute, then you might doubt it again the next week, and it might be a bigger doubt, and then you start thinking, oh my God, I'm really ruining this. And even at £435,000 of debt, you're still like, charge, and you get there. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. The main thing is, if you have a, if you have a good idea for a business, you know, as I say, screw it, just do it, and give it a go, and you may fall flat on your face, but pick yourself up and keep trying until you succeed. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to this bonus edition of Screw It, Just Do It. We had another live event and we had two speakers, Jimmy Cregan from Jimmy's Ice Coffee and Rupert Holloway from Conquer Spirit both present. And given both talks were an hour each, we decided to split this up for you with two bonus editions. First one coming this week is Jimmy Cregan, founder of Jimmy's Ice Coffee, part-time mermaid and all-around amazing speaker and general good guy. So um, I said Jimmy speaks for nearly an hour and we've got included in that a live Q&A with a sold-out audience at our event. And without further ado, let's start up. I'm Jim. I own a company called Jimmy's Ice Coffee, which hopefully some of you have got. Some of you have already started drinking them, and they're not meant to be drunk. You're meant to put them in your fridge and then have them ice cold the next day. Hence why on the cover it says iced coffee. If you have them warm, that's just not good. Um, but I'm glad you're drinking it anyway. You're not throwing up. That's a good sign. Um, let's crack on. First of all, I just want to show you a little clip. Um, there's my face in freeze frame. God, with a weird eye. I need to change the cover. Um, we, we ran a rally this year. Did, has anyone, did anyone come on our rally, by the way? Yes! Rock and roll. So we threw a rally, because we like movement, and we like getting off the couch, and we like going and doing stuff. If it's rocking your new pair of Air Jordans, or you've got a new bicycle, or you go out on your uh, grandpa's sidecar, um, or you've got a car, or whatever. If you like road tripping and having fun, then we like to be part of that too. So this is a little um, introduction to the kind of stuff that we do. Uh, and then we're going to go to the perfect, either cycling, mountain biking, 
Nicole, motorbike, crane, um, and you do they want. And when you get on site, it's super slide, it's pretty just like a giant and um, there's going to be some beers, doing some Think about that. Do we do it in May, or do we? Because it feels like it's gone now, and it's, there's nothing. It's, it, there's nothing to talk about anymore. Um, or do we do it in the end of September, and we can just talk about it all summer and go? Can't wait for the White Club Valley again. So we're just trying to figure out what we do. So answers on a postcard would be fantastic. Um, right. Excuse me for being quite scatty. It has been a fairly long day. Um, this. Has anyone seen Sister Act Two? Okay. Um, Sister Mary Clarence played by Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, she's an absolute turbo hero. Um, and there's this line in that movie. Does anyone know this line? Okay, so um, one thing about starting a business is you have to put yourself in a very uncomfortable position sometimes. Um, and I don't sing, but I'm just going to sing this line just to demonstrate that you have to put yourself in a difficult position sometimes. <clears throat> if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, then you better wake up and pay attention. Thanks, guys. I don't like doing it, but I have to do it, because if you don't scare yourself a lot, then life's really, really boring. And I love getting nervous. Um, I used to host main stages and stuff dressed up in a mankini, don't imagine it, or a, like a uh, mermaid costume and stuff, and you get so nervous before you go out on stage in front of 10,000 people. But... You come off and you go, thank God I just did that, because you just feel really, really good. Um, so our story. Um, I grew up in Dubai. I was there for 18 years, and Dubai was rad in the 80s. I was born in 81, so I had the, all of the 80s and all of the 90s there. And they didn't have any growth or anything when we were first there. It was just like desert, 
and freedom and flip-flops. And I had the most kind of, I don't know, joyous, easy life. There were no phones. We just had tape players. We had crappy little Sony Walkmans. Um, and that was our kind of existence, Betamax and VHS. Obviously, there was no such thing as Facebook. Uh, Instagram hadn't even launched when we started Jimmy's, which is even weirder. Um, but we had a really, really lovely time. My old man is from Bournemouth, so we came back to Bournemouth after um, 18 years of being in Dubai. And I went to the Arts Institute at Bournemouth, and I studied foundation art for a year, which is great. So I got drunk and learned how to paint. Um, and it was really, really fun. And then I decided, I just had it in my brain, people would say, Jim, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I, some, for some period of time, I thought, I just said, I, um, I want to go to London, I want to own a Porsche, and I want to run a graphic design agency. Um, I don't really like Porsches, I hate London, and I'm so crap at graphics that it just didn't make any sense at all, but I kind of had some little vision. So um, I went to Farnham, Farnham Institute of Art and Design, and I went to go and do graphics there. UCA, there we go. Um, I think it's changed a little bit. We called the Surrey Institute of Art and Design or something. Um, and I went there thinking I could be a graphic designer and I just couldn't use a computer. I'm absolutely useless at it, so I quit after three months. Added to which, it was pretty landlocked and I don't like being away from the sea. Dubai, we were three and a half roundabouts away from the sea and in Bournemouth, you are basically by the sea. And I really, really enjoy the sea and I'll explain a little bit more about it in a sec. Um, but it basically brought me back down to Bournemouth and I thought, well, I need to go and get a degree of some sort. So I went back to the AUB and did a degree in event production, learning how to basically throw a big party. And that's what we did. We threw some parties um, through, through university. I had a job as a student brand manager for Red Bull, um, basically being the eyes and the ears on of the brand on campus. And then when I'd finished my degree in 2004, I went on the road with Red Bull and another festival production company, basically building bars, stages, running DJ booths out of some crazy Red Bull wagons, partying with people, having turbo amounts of fun, and then summer ended. And I had the most amazing summer 2004. It was just fantastic. And then when I finished, I thought, right, well, what's the next festival? And everyone was like, Jim, it's September. It's over. It's going to get cold now. So just be prepared. Go and get a job somewhere else. Maybe go traveling, do something else. But there's no more festivals. So I thought, right, I need to go and earn some money. So I started working with my cousin called Pete, and he, be, he builds pretty much all of the beach huts down on Mudderford Beach, and he's just done some great huts down in between Boscombe and Bournemouth, these big sleepover huts that are amazing. And I learned a lot of stuff from him um, through laboring and cutting wood and painting wood and all these other kind of things, but again, I'm not very hands-on with stuff like that. I'm just crap with a saw, I'm rubbish with a drill, um, but I had all the enthusiasm in the entire world, like, I will, will, I will cut this wood, and just end up really messing it up. So I did an entire winter with Pete and uh, had, a, had a pretty good time. Um, and then the following summer, I got a phone call saying, Jim, come back onto the festival circuit again. So I thought, do you know what? I'd love to. So I did the festival circuit again. And rather than just building stages, this is when someone asked me, hey, Jim, you're a bit of an idiot. You should actually get on the stage instead of um, kind of building them. And you can wear this mankini and we can pay you 750 quid a day as opposed to 50 quid a day. And I was like, that sounds great. I'll do whatever you want. So I did that for a few live days in the summer, and it's great, and it's turbocharged, and it's really like hyper and fun and everything, um, but it's not the most sustainable thing in the entire world. And along came another winter, and I just fell back in the trap of laboring. So I got into this pattern. Summertime was amazing, wintertime was awful. And I got to one day when I was working with this dude called David Lyons, um, really, really cool guy, uh, an old school boy in Christchurch. And he was renovating his house. He said, look, I could do with some laboring work, 50 pounds a day. Why don't you come to the house? You can move some bricks around and paint some stuff. And I was like, 
Okay, great. I'd just love to. That sounds fantastic. So I went to Andrew's house, and I was with him for a few months doing some stuff. And I didn't realize it, but I was basically just careering down. Just My life path was just heading down. And I didn't know where the bottom was. And I suddenly hit it one day. And my um, kind of defining moment was um, turning around to see David Lyons, lovely guy, old guy. I mean, I don't fancy old guys for some weird reason. Um, but he's basically bent over to pick something off the floor, and I've just seen his bum crack properly hanging out the top of his jeans. And I just turned around, and I just was just like, what have I done? <laughs> and I basically analyzed my entire life in the space of two seconds. I was like, okay, figure this out. You're 27 years old. You grew up in Dubai. You had amazing opportunities. You've got an events degree. You've got a really, really hot girlfriend. And what do you reckon her mum says when her friends ask her, how's Sophie's boyfriend getting on? Because you know what she's going to say? She's going to say, he's really nice, but he's a part-time mermaid, and he stares at old guys' bums. And that's not cool. So I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to stop what I'm doing. And I said to David, I was like, dude, I'm just going to go for a bit. And I, I, I might be back. I don't know. Just hold fire. And I drove home. I don't know how I didn't crash because I was screaming my head off. I had tears down my face. I've never been so low in all my life. And that was just my rock bottom. It was awful. But great things came out about it. I got back home and my girlfriend was like, wow, what's happened to you? And I was just looked like I'd just been murdered or something. Um, and I said to her, you need to pack your things. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to STA travel. We're going to book some flights and we're going to get the hell out of here. I can see my veins. I'm staring at an old guy's bum. I don't want to be a mermaid anymore. Can we just get out of here? So we decided to go to Australia. First top left. But this talk has taken quite a long time already. Um, so we decided to fly to Oz. And on, I think it was like 2009, a cold November morning, we flew out of, um, out of the UK and landed in Oz. And guess what? It was hot. It was sunny. There were cool people hanging about. I didn't have to be a laborer. I went and worked in a surf school and helped people go surfing and go seal spotting and having a really, really good time. And while I was over there, um, just went into a servo or a petrol station, as you call it over here. And um, I thought, you know what? I'm kind of thirsty. And this is when we get into business chat is when uh, you're providing a product or a service and you have to meet or require, yeah, you have to meet a certain need state or consumer need state, which is basically why do I want to buy something? And I pulled into this server and I kind of analyzed myself. Hmm, I'm particularly hungover. I'm rather parched. I'm just about to go surfing, so I require some energy. I don't really want water because water's really boring. I don't want a hot coffee because that's just pants. I don't want a Red Bull because I've had a billion of them in my past and I want to stop my eyes from twitching, so I'm not going to have another one of those. Oh, wow, what's this? What's that in that fridge? And I walk up to this fridge, and in this fridge is this product called Farmer's Union Ice Coffee. Hands up if anyone's had one before. We can hug it out later. Yes and yes. <laughs> this is great. Three-way later. Um, so there's a fridge. And in this fridge is this product called Farmer's Union Ice Coffee. And I've never seen Farmer's Union Ice Coffee. I've never seen iced coffee before. But it came in this carton. The carton was super rad. It was one of those old-school cardboard ones where you have to kind of peel it open, and then you drink from it, and it feels really naughty because it's something you would do at home with a large-scale kind of thing of milk when your mum comes in and slaps you over the wrist and says, pour it into a glass, don't drink it from the carton, you stupid little shit. Um, so that was quite nice. And then I liked the branding of the product. And then I took it to the till. I went outside and I drank this product. And I just was just blown away by how amazing it was. I just went in and bought another one just to make sure that that one wasn't just randomly laced with crack. And I bought, the, bought this other one, had it, and it had exactly the same effect. <laughs> I was so enthused by this thing that I just jumped on my email straight away. Really, really professional. First lesson. If you're going to start off a company, just create a company name, like at companyname.com. I wrote to the dude 
whoever it was, at nationalfoods.com.au, quite a big company that owns this Farmers Union brand, from my very professional email address, jimbocreganart.hotmail.com. Hi, I'm a part-time mermaid, and I've come over to, the, uh, to Oz to enjoy your splendid iced coffee. I want to basically take your brand and your, and your ingredients, I want to take them to the UK, I can get my fix and hopefully never be a mermaid again, can you help? And they just basically said, no way in hell am I helping you. So I was like, okay, I can have another go. I said, uh, listen, you have to just you have to help me out here because I'm, I'm going to go mental if you can't help me. And they said no again, and then I just did it a couple more times to the point where I think they just had a restraining order against me or something. Um, so basically our trip ended quite shortly. We, are, we were in Oz for about five months in total. And we came back home, and um, I got a phone call straight away saying, Jim, it's April, so we're planning for summer. Which, uh, which shows can you... Can you dress up on, you know, dress up at and be a complete idiot? It's just like, do you know what? I'm, I'm done. I've got to figure out something else that I can do with my life. So I just casually popped into a Sainsbury's, hoping I could find a farmer's union or something very similar to at least set me on my path to come up with something new. And lo and behold, there was a whole load of iced coffees on the shelf. But they're not actually called iced coffee. They're called cafe latte. They're called discoveries. They're called all these other things. And I looked at them and I just, I didn't have any kind of, it was all just, oh, how boring, how boring, how ugly, too small, ooh, I'll try it, oh, it's way too sweet. So I tried all these products and they were basically all disgusting because the branding was rubbish, the packaging was crap, and the ingredients were really, really stinky. But it made me then suddenly think, and I hate the Dragon's Den terminology, but there was a gap in the market for an awesome ready-to-drink iced coffee company. So I thought, do you know what, I'm going to give this a stab. So I spoke to my folks and I said, look, mum and dad, I know um, you've got a bit of money in the bank and I basically need to steal it and I'll return it as soon as I possibly can. Um, just to set the scene, my parents don't live in a country manor. They have a two-bed flat in Christchurch and their entire savings was £170,000 and they gave us 140 of it. Um, so they were banking on quite a big horse, or betting on quite a big horse, um, which was myself and my sister. And my sister is my business partner and has been since day one. She was running a cafe in Christchurch called Blend, and it was doing well, but then suddenly Christchurch, you know, Christchurch is the length of this hall, for example, and there are 27 shops where you can go and buy a coffee, um, and that doesn't really make any sense if you're trying to want to be competitive and stand out from other people. Meanwhile, business rates are going up, and my sister's basically tearing her hair out, doing a Z reading at the end of the day on her till, and realizing that after selling 4,000 coffees and 65 million paninis, she still only made about 3p. So that was quite tiring. So I said, look, why don't you jump ship? Come with me. We're going to make the most amazing ready-to-drink house coffee on the planet. So she said, yep, yeah, that sounds great. Get me the hell out of here. So then we thought, shit, how do we... I want to go into a carton. How do we go into a carton? Do I need to become a laminated paper origami expert, or do I find someone who can actually make these things for me, or what do I need to do? So just went into the shops, found the carton shape that I really, really like, which is an innocent smoothie carton, one of the long ones, and thought, if you just chop the bottom off that, make it half the size, that's perfect drinking style. So you find out the company who owns these, these packages, and you just ring them up, and I rang up about I don't know, five, six different companies. Some of them, actually Tetra Pak is one of the ones that picked up, and they said, um, dear Mr. Cregan, if you'd like to get in touch, please can you write us a handwritten letter? I was like, dude, it's 2011. What are you talking about? I, I can just email you. You're emailing me back. Um, <laughs> stupid idiots. So, um, so we didn't work with them for a little bit. We worked with another company, but fortunately they Tetra came back to us and said, will you please go into our cartons? Um, so long story short, we found a production company that could actually make the product for us because I, I didn't have a clue how to make the product. 
quite, it's very simple to make, but actually on a large scale. We did some kind of factory trials. Um, we, our production facility is based in Shepton Mallet in Somerset. It's only about an hour and 45 away, so it's really, really close. We can go and check them out and hang out with them and stuff, which is cool. Um, and then we finally made our first product. We had a friend of ours do some design work to create our logo for us. Um, and basically from November 2010 to, the, to April 7, 2011, which is five months, we had basically found someone to make the product, created the recipe, done all the branding, and then basically done a whole load of sampling work and then pitched it into a retailer. And we thought, right, if we're going to pitch into somewhere rad, where are we going to go? And I have this kind of like hierarchy triangle. And we wanted to start from the top. So if you're going to start a food or drink business, where are you going to go and launch your product? M&S, Waitrose, Selfridges. Fantastic. So, Selfridges, Oxford Street. 023, I think is the number. Um, they picked up, hello, Selfridges. Hi, my name is Jim. I'm a part-time mermaid. I went to Australia. I found amazing nice coffee. I've come home. I've made my own. I really want to stick it in your food hall because your food hall is badass. I don't want to go to Asda because their shops stink. <laughs> They're like, okay, I'll put you through to the buyer, you madman. So, I got through to the buyer and the buyer said, hello. And I said exactly the same story again. And she said, you know what? Do you want to just come in? I was like, yes, when, when shall I come in? She's like, tomorrow. Do you have a presentation? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I didn't even have a laptop. So I stole my mum's laptop and made a presentation and then made this stupid little box to fit some cartons in. We didn't have a barcode at the time. We didn't even know where to go and buy a barcode. Every product that we buy has barcodes. Does anyone know where you can buy barcodes from? The barcode shop on Oxford Street. There's one there. So I went there and I basically explained our whole position. And this lady was like, do you know what? Let's launch. When I, we want to launch with you. I was like, okay, well, when do you want to launch? And she's like, when can you launch? I was like, well, when do you want to launch? She's like, stop wasting my fucking time. When do you want to launch? And I was like, well, when I go and get a barcode? She's like, well, pop down Oxford Street, go and get yourself a barcode, and then, you know, we can work together. So April 7, 2011, we launched in, in Selfridges, and we had the most amazing day. It was just awesome. And the coolest thing was actually just walking in there, like some London dude, and then just taking it off the shelf, walking along, and just going, hi. Just, just that, thanks. Yes! <laughs> Two quid, perfect, thanks, quite, exp quite expensive, but you know what, I'll take it, no problem. And that was just a really, really iconic day, and I really, really love that. So that's us making the product. Um, the bottom left, so that's me and my sis, she's my business partner, and it's quite handy having a business partner because you can, A, you split stuff, so you're not doing 100% of the thing all the time, and you can get rid of the stuff that you don't want to do and focus on the stuff that you're good at. So I like doing the fun stuff, and my sister's pretty good at all the boring stuff. If you show me a spreadsheet or introduce me to Sage, I will fall asleep and die. So um, it's quite handy that she, can, that she can do all that kind of stuff. This is our office. Um, we're based in Christchurch. We're just behind McDonald's on the industrial estate. So you should come round and say hello. I'm sorry, that's a slightly dated picture. We've had to remove the ramp, uh, not for health and safety purposes, but we're actually hiring more people, which is a really, really lovely thing to be doing. And then lastly, where we live. We live right here um, in Southbourne. And our office is five minutes from Mudderford Quay. And there's just something absolutely wonderful about being by the sea. And I think if, uh, does everyone see the sea at least once a week here? Okay, great. And why do you think you go to see the sea once a week? Anyone call out? Feels like home. Feels like home. Okay, that's right, because it is home and that's what it feels like. But there's also something quite amazing is when you look at that picture in the bottom right, can anyone guess how many fish are in that space? Or can anyone guess how heavy that water weighs? Or how deep it actually is? Or how many droplets of water there are? There are. I don't think anyone's going to be able to provide the answer to that question. And there's something quite nice about not having a clue about something or something being so big in front of you that you feel incredibly small. And it's kind of like when you go 
to a mate's barbecue and you get absolutely tanked and you stand in the back garden and you look up at the sky and you look up at all these stars and you're just like mate we mean nothing like this is just so cool and it's the same thing I mean, you don't have to get whipped every night but you can just swing by the beach and go yeah I'm still useless and it's quite nice because you get really, really pumped about getting a Tesco listing or, you know, whooping and high-fiving about certain bits and pieces. But at the end of the day, we're still nothing. We are, we're totally meaningless. And it's quite nice to think or just remember that from time to time because people kind of get quite big for their boots. And it's kind of just nice to just go, nah, man, you're still, you're still measly. Um, so this is our stuff. Um, this is a really updated photo. This is brand spanking new. So um, we just launched a dairy-free with oat milk because there are suddenly a billion vegans on the planet. Um, we've just introduced dairy-free, and the comments that we have on Facebook are staggering. You'll have a, say me, a 36-year-old dude commenting going, I've just literally, just this moment, found out I'm lactose intolerant, and I can't drink milk ever again in my life. Just now. You've been having milk on your cereals for 36 years, and you're suddenly drinking oat milk. What happened? And the comments that we get from this are just staggering. I've, I've, I've just, I'm vegan. Sorry, it just happened, and it's just happened. I'm sorry, but that's it. So we're catering for these amazing people. Um, <laughs> it's actually a really, really tasty product, and I totally believe in everyone with what everyone's doing. But it's just staggering how quickly some people are just becoming intolerant to stuff. Um, so we've got our dairy-free, we do a one-litre, we do our skinny, we do our original, we do our mocha, we do a small dairy-free, and we do a big original too. So you can find them in stores all over the place. I've yet to put Morrison's in, which I should have done. I'm sorry about that, but that's one of the last ones. And then Co-op, who we've obviously met today, if they say yay, then that's going to go on that chart too, which will be quite exciting. What was quite interesting is Sainsbury's Strapline was to try something new today, and it took them about four years to try like, investing in our stuff, and we just kept on putting that at the front of the presentation, taking the piss out of them. Um, <laughs> That was probably why they didn't take us on. I don't know, miserable people. But no, they're great. They're fantastic. Don't let them know I said that. Um, I quite like quotes. And not the kind of quotes that you find on Instagram which go, if a door is closed, it's a door. You can open it again. Life will be fine. And you're just like, oh my God, go away. Has anyone not seen Babe, the pig movie? Everyone seen Babe? Yes. Okay, so there's setting the scene, Farmer Hoggett is using a pig to round up a bunch of um, sheep. And his wonderful wife, Mrs. Hoggett, sat on the hill thinking, what the hell is my husband doing? And the narrator comes across, and I'm going to try and do my best impression. Farmer Hoggett knew that little ideas that tickle and nag and refuse to go away should never be ignored. For in them lie the seeds of destiny. So I'm on holiday, and my kids are watching this, and I'm just kind of chopping something, salad. And I'm listening to this thing in the background, and I hear the sentence go on, and I just started crying, because this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Part-time mermaid, fed up with life, go to Oz, walk into a petrol station, holy shit, that's cool, go back to England, it's not here, I'm going to make it, great, done. That's what happened. And it was one of these little ideas that tickled and nagged and refused to go away. So, I don't know the, the in-between bit, I'm not sure, but it got me up out of bed every morning. It's the first thing I thought about when I got up out of bed, apart from needing to go to the loo. And it, was the, and it wouldn't actually let me go to sleep. Um, so it was literally the first thing on my mind and the last thing on my mind before I went to sleep. And that's, I think, if you have an idea, I think I'm just so lucky to have found an idea that, I could, that is feasible. I think everyone... Um, 
can be, and I don't really like the name entrepreneur, I think it's just overused and a bit wanky. Um, but I think everyone can basically run their own thing if they want to, but they've just got to find or stumble across or discover the idea for the product or service that they want to offer. Um, because when you get in it, it's just, it's insane. It's just the most incredible thing. And Rupi knows, I can see it in Rupi's eyes. He's, um, he's a new human being. And it's really, really rad. Um, so marketing. Uh, Rupi's idea of marketing is transparency. And our idea of marketing is storytelling, um, which is pretty much similar. Because we're not making anything up. We're just telling people what's happened. I was a mermaid. I went to Oz, found nice coffee. I came home, made my own, and now I'm having fun. And uh, so we've got to try and tell our story in as many ways that fit what we do. Um, we're not going to go to a gaming conference at the NEC because we don't like gaming and we don't go to Birmingham much. Um, what we will do, though, is take our old school Mercedes wagon and go to Christchurch Food Festival and we'll have a white Russian party uh, and have a whole load of fun there because it's local to us. It's stuff that we enjoy. We get to hang out with Roop and get whipped with him um, and just have a really good time. The bottom middle one is doing talks. I do heaps of talks and love doing talks at schools, at colleges, um, do some talks with big companies and get paid a little bit of money on the side, which is always quite useful for travel and stuff. Um, and then just talking to the local community is a really, really nice thing. It's so nice to be able to give something back. We also make merchandise. It's quite nice that people want to wear clothing that's from an iced coffee company. Um, I don't see many people just walking down the street with an Innocent Smoothies t-shirt on just like, yeah. Yeah, this is it. But it's quite interesting that you go to a rock gig and you'll see someone in a Jack Daniels t-shirt because you wouldn't think anything of it. But if there's someone stood next to him in a famous grouse whiskey t-shirt, you'd be like, mate, what are you doing? You're some promo guy. Get out. Um, but people will wear our t-shirts and they'll wear our hats. And KYCU is um, short for keep your chin up, which is our strap line. Um, and there's two reasons. If you, don't drink, if you don't keep your chin up when you drink our product, you'll pour it all over yourself. Um, and secondly, if you don't keep your chin up every day, then you're just going to be miserable and you're going to be walking around like this. And no one's going to buy a product off you if you go like this. You want to be like, hey, ding, chin up, happy days. I'm, no, I'm a known sloucher, so I'm always trying to kind of keep my chin up myself. Someone actually thought it was the Kentucky Fried Chicken University the other day, which I thought was interesting. Um, so we play on that sometimes. And then we, we've got a big love for classic cars. So we've got, um, we've got a few in our unit. If anyone wants to come over to the unit one day, just follow us um, and come and see them or we can go for a cruise in the truck when we have time. Um, and then we do a lot of stuff online. So you can, you can find us just by searching us on Instagram, whatever. Um, so if you don't follow us, do follow us. We just, we don't, it's not all about pack shots of our products next to porridge and cereal every day. Um, it's actually more like interesting stuff just about what we do and what we like doing and how we do it. That's the fun bit. Um, it took me so long to figure out how to edit these slides and actually put stuff over the top. I'm quite proud of myself. So everything else is not that exciting, but it must be done and done with precision and attention to detail. Cue the rest of the company, um, including my sister, who um, just have to make sure that you know, the product is ordered and it's ordered on time and then it's collected and from our manufacturing plant and then taken to a gigantic warehouse where people fly around on forklifts with giant iPads strapped to their wrists plucking stuff out and then taking it to regional distribution centers and making sure they've got their delivery slot because if they're five minutes late, we get charged and making sure that we get the product in the right supermarket, at the right shelf, at the right price, at the right height, at the right temperature, etc., etc. And there's a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes. I do all the dancing fun stuff. Yeah, keep your chin up. We're really, really rad. And actually, there's a lot of people that make do really, really hard work to make sure that it does actually um, do the thing. Um, this is quite an interesting one. You, 
you can go out in Christchurch or something and have a few beers and someone will come up to you and they just like grab you on the shoulder and they go, Jim, man, you've made it. You fucking made it. Like, I haven't made anything. We make iced coffee. That's all we do. I haven't made anything. But we are also making stuff. Because the idea of actually, if you've made it, then you've basically just got to the edge and then there's nothing left. So it's nice to actually set these little milestones of making stuff. And one of my big, big things is I've, been, I've rented for my entire life. And the last three places that we've rented, one was a flat, one was a flat in a house, and then a, the last one was a, was a house that we rented. The first one had a boarded up fireplace and we were renting. The second house, or the second flat we had, had an electric fire. And the third flat, or third house that we had, had a gas fire. So we're kind of building up through renting, but having like no fire, electric fire, gas fire. And I basically promised my wife, I said, the next house we move into, we're going to buy it. And we're also going to install or make sure there's a wood-burning stove in there. And it was such a massive thing for me to do that. And we managed to buy this house. I don't know how we did it, but it took forever to get hold of this thing. We lost it for a little bit, and then we got it back. It didn't have a wood-burning stove, but it had a chimney. So we ordered a wood-burning stove, and we put it in there. And the guy came over to install it and stuff, kind of macho guy, like put some wood in. And I was just like, mate, can you please just get out of my house? I want to just enjoy this to myself for a second. He's like, yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah, thanks so much for that. Just receipts in the post, but I'd just get out. Close the door. And I was just like, oh, my God, I fucking got it. And just standing there in front of just a bit of kindling on fire in our house was the biggest, most amazing thing I've ever done in my entire life. So I came home, and I was, we just sobbed for, it was only a couple of minutes, but it was just really, really nice. And it's those little milestones. I mean, it's a massive milestone, but for me, it was a really, really, like, awesome one. Um, I don't know where I've gone with that. I kind of went a bit emotional for a second. Uh, oh, that's it. Um, but how do you make it? I think you've got to have, I know these are a little bit Dragon's Denny, but they, they kind of have to be said. You've got to have hunger and drive. If you don't wake up hungry or driven, you're just going to fall out of bed and then just scratch your bum and get back into bed because you've got nothing to work for. Uh, it's kind of handy if you have a real story. If you're just making it up for certain reasons, you know, I'm making a fresh orange juice, why? Uh, just, it's just so healthy for you and I think everyone deserves really good orange juice. That's just bullshit. You just want to make some money and you're doing it through orange juice. So it's really, really important to have that real story. Otherwise, you're going to be lying. And if you lie to yourself, then you've, it's basically game over. Having a plan is useful, but don't get too daunted about creating some like 29-page IM, which stands for Information Memorandum, which also means what the fuck. Sorry. What you need is just a plan. Our plan from day one was we want to make awesome, ready-to-drink iced coffee that you can pick up in any damn fridge across the UK and beyond. Done. We still have that plan. It's a little bit more strategic now, but in the beginning, you just have to have a simple plan. So don't worry about it too much if that's what you are planning. Make rad products. If, you don't, if people don't rebuy your product, then it's not going to work. So you want to focus on um, repeat purchase and getting new customers. That's simple business stuff, apparently. And you learned it about last week. Um, trusting your instinct is also very good. Someone might give you a call and go, hi there, I have some data for you. It's going to cost you £4,995 plus VAT, but it will tell you all about your audience, your demographic, and how you can nail a certain customer. And you go, hmm, okay. Although I don't even know if I want that customer. And your gut instinct starts telling you, dude, you shouldn't have bought that fucking research paper. And you bought it, and then you go and present it to this company, and they just go, no thanks. And you go, 
damn, I should have trusted my instinct. So instinct is free and instinct is it's 100% you. So definitely go with your gut feel. It's re- I've crossed over the line so many times. It's fine, it's fine, it's going to be brilliant. It's not, it's not, it's not. It is, no, it's going to be fine. No, it's not, it's not, it's not. And I get to the end and I fucked it up. Um, but it's really good to learn from your own mistakes. Learning to say no is good. Um, you get phone calls, Jim, do you want to sponsor the World Chess Championships? Yeah, great, sounds fantastic. I know nothing about chess. And suddenly I've just opened the door to 60 emails about how we can sponsor the World Chess Championships. So it's kind of good to just go, no thanks, bye, but in the most polite way. But if they really annoy you, you can just tell them to do one, because people just get really annoying sometimes. Building an epic team, this has taken a long time, but my God, we've got the coolest bunch of people working with us now. We're a team of 11, um, and it's fascinating. We've got one dude in our company, it's actually only one. I think that's right. And he's got a kid. I, me, part-time mermaid, am paying for someone to feed another child, which just baffles me. But it's so exciting that we can actually pay for someone to have a job and rent a place and look after their kids and do X, Y, and Z. It's the most fascinating thing ever. And I feel really, really proud that we've built a cool team that want to stay and hang out. Um, We've also just done a really cool thing in... um, like stock options, so everyone actually has a little percentage of the company, so that when we eventually come to do like a sale or a merge or an acquisition of some sort, people can actually, they don't just walk away, they actually walk away with something that is part of, or that they've helped grow. And um, that's just a really nice thing to do. And building a culture that people love, if you don't, if you don't have something that people can latch onto or believe in, then you just, you're just not doing anything great. Um, and then, as Rupi mentioned, don't let, buy, uh, don't let money be a byproduct of your dream. Um, we wanted to make iced coffee, and because of that, we make money on the side to help us build the business. Um, if you just want to make iced coffee to make money, or sell iced coffee to make money, then you'll basically cut every possible corner to sell it, which means you're going to erode your product or service and end up with nothing. And that's not cool. Um, has anyone ever heard of um, this dude, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? So this is basically simple life. So at the very bottom, this is what people need in their life. They need um, physiological needs. Um, so food, water, warmth, and rest. So it could be a tent, it could be a house, it could be whatever you want. Then you've got your safety needs, your security and your safety. Then after that, you've got intimate relationships, having sex and friends. Then above that, then you've got your esteem needs. So prestige and feeling of accomplishment. And then at the top is your self-actualization, which is almost like Dalai Lama kind of shit. Um, the coolest and most hilarious thing about this is um, people, I guess Rupi's a prime example here, Rupi th- thought in his head that he had to go down this career path, do two degrees, loads of research, loads of stuff on um, surveying, and then going, getting a job in a surveying company, and then that's where you build up. You start as a junior, then go on to senior, then you become a partner, and you do all this kind of stuff, and then you get your house, then you get your car, and you get your booper, and you get all of these things that you can bank. But what happens is you get pretty much to intimate relationships and friends, and then prestige and feeling of accomplishment actually doesn't arrive because you're not doing something for yourself. And you suddenly go, I've got booper, and I've got my house, and I've got my car, and I've got... Um, I don't... I, they don't actually mean anything, because um, I haven't... It's not... Doesn't feel like doesn't feel like you might necessarily really own it. So what people do is they give up a 70k job a year and they go and set up a chutney company, 
or they go and set up a gin business, or they set up a nice coffee company, because they are hell-bent on saying, do one to the man, and doing what they really, really want to do. And that is when you might end up just in a tent, but you've got a little bit of warmth. You might not have much security at all. You'll have someone with you, as Rupi has Emily, to guide him through, which is super cool. And then it's the last two that you just get, because the real value... I think in, in business, in life, actually comes from these things. You don't need all the other crap underneath. What you actually need is the bit at the top. And if you're happy with everything underneath, but you've got the bit at the top really, really working well, then that's pretty cool. And I think, I'd, I don't even, I don't know if I felt self-actualization, but I definitely know that we're, you know, we're in year six and a half of business, and I can now do two very simple things. One is finish work at five and get home, feed my kids and put them in the bed, or put them in the bath and put them in the bed. Done. That's, and that's just been like a, a, a really, really long dream is to be able to get home, bath them, bed, done. And you have to go through so much shit to get there, but it's actually quite a cool thing. So does everyone get that, or am I just am I rambling? I don't really know. But I hope that kind of makes sense. Um, Steven Spielberg, another little quote. So you have to, every day of your lives, be prepared or be ready to hear what whispers in your ear. Life is very loud. Um, there's traffic, there are sirens, there's Facebook, there's relationships, there's everything. Um, and you've got to be able to take time out just to be able to have a listen to what your body's saying. And is it saying, dude, your job sucks, you need to get the hell out of here. Because if it is saying that, then you should probably listen to it. Otherwise, it's never going to go away and it'll drive you insane. Um, why do I get out of bed in the morning? Sorry, this is taking quite a long time. Um, there's my wife, Soph. I don't get out of bed because she's in it. Um, it's quite harsh, actually. No, I, I, um, I get out of bed because I need to look after her because she's a full-time mum. And she's full-time mum to Winberger. Um, and it's not Winberger, it's just Win. But she's really rad, she's two. And then there's my boy Kit. And that's my family. So I get out of bed so I can look after those dudes and have, um, have time with them. And this is our crew. And there's my van. And these are my talks. And this is all the stuff that I love getting out of bed for because it's just... So fun. It's not a standard nine to five. One day we can be taking a bunch of dudes to Cornwall for a big road trip. Um, in two weeks we're driving to Germany and we're borrowing a Mercedes G-Wagon AMG thing. And we're driving to Germany to go and meet a new production company. It's bright yellow. We're going to make some content about it and it's going to be great. Just not your standard nine to five. So I like getting out of bed for work. I like getting out of bed because I get to drive my old school Mercedes estate which I just love. Um, I like getting out of bed so I can go and see the sea very quickly and get my fix. And then I also like getting out of bed, or I have to get out of bed, so I don't dress up as a leopard in a leotard with a bulging thing. That's socks. That's definitely not me. Um, and that's my playtime. So those are the things I like that I have to get out of bed for. Finally, my final quote is um, Mary Oliver, this amazing American poet, who says, tell me, what, it is, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I just quite like that. It's just a nice kind of thing to end on. Um, it's not really the end, there's two more slides. Um, our future. So we want to do more merchandise. We want to do new NPD. NPD people is? Correct. New product development. Um, we need more distribution. So off the back of today's meeting with the co-op, if that goes in, then we put that in the other slide, and then we go after someone else. And export. So growing up in Dubai for 18 years, it's looking like I'm going to go out there in October and November this year because we want to make Dubai or the UAE a strategic international plan um, where you actually go in with the brand and do something fun as opposed to shift, pa shift pallets worldwide. So that's going to be quite an interesting thing. And I think this is it. Yeah, this is my final slide. Uh, my advice in business and life is always, always keep 
your chin up. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks. Any questions? Hmm. Any questions from the audience? Yeah. Can kick things Hello. It's more of a request. Um, my two-year-old really wants a snapback, but you don't All you have to do is basically just, just go over a little bit further like that, and it works. Because that picture of Kip, he's wearing it. I mean, it just doesn't fit me when it's like that. But it does. It would be quite nice to do infant ones. It's just a case of um, just getting on with it, really. Yeah, good shout. Little pea head. Okay, amazing. All right, I can um, pitch that to the dudes. Thank you. Hello. Yep. Um, so business mentors and how we kind of, yeah, grow up a little bit. So that's a really good question. Um, I found people that I thought I could get some information out of that weren't in a, in a non-competitive set and just pick up the phone and give them a call. And chances are, if you flatter the receptionist down the phone, you can say, look, I really admire your MD. Is there a way that I can have a chat to them because I'm just, I'm a newbie starting out? And they go, yeah, do you know what? You can buy me lunch and you can help me do stuff. So uh, one of those dudes um, is a dude called Don Henschel, who is the CEO for Fowler & Ball, the interior paint company. So he's just an absolute hero, and we got to know him through a friend of ours who works there. She was like, Jim, you're going to love Don. And she said, Don, can you meet Jim? We met him, and he was kind of like one of our first proper mentors for about three years. And then he introduced us to another chap called Simon, who's just a buddy of his, and Simon is now our chairman. And he's... He's been in huge business in the States doing just silly, silly investment stuff. So he knows everything about business. Um, and he's now actively involved in um, investing in little companies that have a heartbeat. Because he's just, he's done with figures. He actually likes feeling it and seeing the people behind the company and stuff. So he's been just amazing. You can pick up the phone anytime to him and just chat stuff through. Um, just trying to think of anyone else. The, the guys who run Pie Minister, do you know Pie Minister Pies? You can pick them up in supermarkets. They're like pucker pies, but turbo. Um, and they're amazing. And I remember we just rang him one day and we were like, dude, how do we do this? And he's like, oh, right, okay, I'll give you a hand. So we were chatting to them for the first year and a half. We used to go to Bristol and hang out with them and just, just learn as much as you possibly can. So as soon as you can get someone on board that is willing to give you a bit of time and you just buy them lunch once in a while or a few beers, then uh, it's really, really invaluable. And we, just, we still do it. So we were on rung one of the ladder. So we were just looking up at people on rung two, three, four, five, all the way up to the top. Um, and it's just, um, and we've kind of climbed up to, let's say, rung four or five now, and there'll be people underneath us that call us, and we go, yeah, man, buy some lunch, and we can chat some shit, and it's really, really cool. It's nice. Yeah, no problem. Oh, God. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Um, it was October 13. We paid off our <coughs> last bit of debt. Our total debt was, <coughs> Christ, um, £435,000, which is a lot of money, um, like a load of money. 
And our finance director isn't the most chatty of people. And um, we had two debts. One was with, my, with, with our parents, and the other one was with our production company. They kind of bankrolled us for a little while. And um, so we started paying them off as best as we possibly could. Until, and I didn't realize how quickly we were paying them off until one day our finance guy was like, Jim, uh, we don't owe our production company any money anymore. It's like, what? Just like that. And so, well, it's taken about six months. I just haven't kept you in the loop with stuff. So having a, you know, 300,000 pounds just lifted off your shoulders is quite a nice thing. And then with mum and dad, we, um, we took them to Limewood for, for the night. And we said, oh, we've just got some, like, tax kick. So we're just spending some money to save on corporate tax. I have no idea. But basically what we were doing is basically putting the remainder of all of their money into their account in one lump sum because we had enough in the account. So we created this little... Uh, pretend Prosecco menu with Limewood's heading at the top. And we all had dinner and we said, well, what's on the menu? And the third one down was called Prosecco to Payback. And the description was like, dudes, you rock. Thanks so much. The last bit of, bit of money, which is like 60 grand, has just gone in your account today. And they were just like, fuck yes! <laughs> so um, we all just got, we all just had a really, really lovely evening, which is cool. So that was, um, that was nice. And if those all highlights are really cool. We have to go through all that shit to end up in, in, in a nice place. Um, well, first we have the mindset that it's always going to work, whatever happens. I've never, ever, ever, ever doubted it because it's the only thing that was ever going to work for me. Um, and then, yes, so um, you don't want to be, while you're in debt, you've just got to keep it as lean as humanly possible. And in fact, you have to lean, keep it lean throughout the whole business journey anyway. Um, what was just quite nice was being able to have a little bit of budget to do marketing. You know, we did nothing on it. We did everything on a shoestring for about four years, um, just, you know, running Facebook pages that you didn't have to boost posts back in the day. And rather than going and spending £4,000 on a pitch at the Ideal Home Show in Olympia, I would just turn up in a van, refrigerated van with ice-cold stock at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when everyone's running out, just screaming for your coffee. And then people come over and be like, it's in Tesco, it's in Tesco, it's in Whole Foods, it's in this. The security guard comes out wanting to beat seven bells out of you, by which time you've handed the last cart and then you scoot off around the corner, saving yourself £4,000 plus that. So you do, you just have to make ends meet, and then when you can actually be official, it's actually quite fun. Like organizing the rally was amazing. You have third party people in, you have generators arriving, you have forklifts, you have all this cool shit, and you're like, wow, can we actually pay for something properly without just being a punk about it? Um, not careless, but it allows you to be a bit more experimental for sure, because you have to do like split testing on stuff. So rather than just thinking, I'm going to approach this audience, you kind of want to feed two things to the same audience or the same thing to two different audiences and see what the reaction is you're going to get back. And that's going to cost you twice as much than what you're normally doing. Um, things like being able to do our rap tracks that we've done have just been super fun to do. And we're still very, we have a very careless looking attitude, which is kind of what we strive for because it's just what we do. Um, but it's kind of calculated carelessness. I might back pocket that one. Thanks. <coughs> Hello. Did you do any market testing? Market testing before we launched? Yes, we did. Um, one thing I forgot to mention was in my sister's coffee shop in Christchurch, um, we basically invited all of our family and friends in. And we shut the door and we said, can you just pretend that you don't know us and just give us your most honest feedback? We gave them all of the iced coffees that are currently on the market. And we made up our own version of iced coffee behind the counter and we gave them an idea of what the packaging would look like and what the brand would look like, got them to do taste tests and told them the size of the vessel that it would come in. And um, 
basically everyone just, it was a unanimous, you should do this because it tastes better than that, the design is better than that, and the, the, car, the, the format of your product is actually way better than all of these. Despite going up against Starbucks, I mean, they're really, really helpful because they've actually paved the way and let people know that iced coffee exists. We're kind of crashing their party. Um, so, yeah, that's what we did. <coughs> So um, our first production run was uh, you have to do a minimum of 3,000 litres, um, which meant that we were, we were doing 500 mil carts at the time, so we had 6,000 iced coffees basically made. And all the iced coffees were made into blank cartons because if you want to get a production run on printed cartons, you have to print 225,000 of them, and we weren't prepared to do that, so we just got some blank ones made. We went and spoke to my cousin, and he printed off some big stickers, and we hand-stuck every label on for it's like 25 hours in a walk-in fridge one day, day and an hour. Um, and then we went and sampled loads of people, and that's how we got in touch with Selfridges. Any other questions? Hello. I had one and it was green, and I didn't favourite it at all. Did you wash it? Did I wash it? Probably yes. Definitely yes. 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 <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Hello. Hello. No. No, it just it, it's basically ingrained in you, and I think you just have to have some kind of. In, there's got to be a level of insanity in you just to be able to be like. No way is this failing. Because as soon as you doubt yourself for that one minute, then you might doubt it again the next week, and it might be a bigger doubt, and then you start thinking, oh, my God, I'm really ruining this. And even at £435,000 of debt, you're still like, charge, and you get there. Cool. Last one. Did you ever show any interest in business before Jimmy's Ice Coffee? Um, yes, actually. Um, I At school, I used to buy... In Dubai, I used to buy fake surf bags, like fake Billabong surf backpacks, and take them into school and say, my uncle from the States has just shipped these over, so who wants them? So I sold the load and then got found out and got beaten up. Um, and then when I came back to the UK, uh, Rupert and I uh, set about making our own illegal beer delivery service um, down at Mudderford Beach, where all those uh, beach huts are. So... We went to every single hut with a magnet and a business card, and we uh, basically gave them to every single hut owner, and it had spit deliveries, because it's, it's a geographical sand spit. And we stuck a menu behind this magnet, and we said, just stick this on your fridge. Whenever you want an ice-cold beer on an ice-cold glass of wine, give us a call on the phone, and we will deliver it to you. So we spent the entire summer in our spit delivery t-shirts, um, rowing across the water to our friend's garden in the shed, and he had a... Uh, fridge made up and the wire running out of his bathroom and we'd go and pick up whatever booze we needed and load it into the boat and then row over the water and then go and deliver it to people. And I remember one day we uh, we did a delivery to a guy. It was baking hot day, I think it was in July, and there was this guy on his sun deck. All he wanted was just a four-pack of bud. So we went to the fish counter at the um, at Mudderford where, and I brought myself, brought this guy a little plastic bucket, put these buds in and then got shaved ice, crushed ice, and just poured it into this bucket. So it just looked like the most amazing thing ever. Rode over to the water, and he's fast asleep, and just, boom, on his deck, and he just kind of wakes up. May. I love you. I love you. Just like, throwing money at us. It was just, it was so, so much fun. 
And Rupert's, um, there's a, there's a hut, there's a, the, uh, the restaurant on the beach has all commercial rights, so you can't actually sell anything on there, hence why it's illegal. Um, and Rupert's sister, God bless her, um, <laughs> his twin sister, was working in the cafe at the time, and the owner found out that um, uh, the reason why she didn't sell any booze over the bank holiday weekend was because we were actually just undercutting her and making money on the side. So she got the sack and we were just very insensitive and laughed at her and then carried on selling booze, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, other business stuff before. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> There you have it, live and direct from our sold-out event with Jimmy Cregan. Hope you really enjoyed that as much as I did. That really resonated, fantastic story, uh, followed by um, some really good questions and indeed answers from Jimmy. Um, Back to next week, we're going to have Jamie Lang and Ed Williams from Candy Kittens back on our regular slot on a Wednesday, followed by another bonus edition from our live event, this time with Rupert Holloway from Conquer Spirit. Um, If you enjoyed listening to these bonus live events, then we'd love to see you at one of our events. We reconvene in September. Do go to the startupu.co.uk website, click on the events calendar, and we'll be coming at you from multiple locations across the UK, and we'd love to see you there. Until next week. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait, the time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter.